Welcome to the Sunrise Podcast with Dr. M.M. Amakaro. We hope you enjoy it. Precious Father and our King, we worship you this morning. The soul magnifies you for your goodness and your mercies and your loving kindness. We thank you, Holy Father, for giving us your Holy Spirit, our helper and friend, our teacher and instructor, the one who helps our prayer when we do not know what to say or what to pray. We exalt you, mighty God, for giving us a fresh day. You commanded the morning. And yes, we're in the land of the living. We receive your compassion, we receive your comfort, we receive your mercy, and we thank you. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you for your word of life. Thank you for addressing our situation. Thank you for increasing our wisdom. Thank you for granting us good judgment. And thank you for your purpose and plan concerning us. Holy Father, we bring our hearts before you, and we pray for a touch. We pray for a renewing. We pray, O God Almighty, that you cause us to see you, you cause us to address you as King, that you help us even in this week, O God. Let your goodness flow in our hearts. Let your pleasing thoughts flow in our hearts. Let us see who you are. Let your name be magnified. You be magnified magnified above the noise, magnified above the circumstances. Have your way, Holy Father. Thank you, eternal rock of ages, for who you are. Cause us to see who you are. Cause us to know who you are. That in every circumstance, let who you are be magnified. Have your way, eternal rock of ages. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. I'm reading Psalm 45, verse 1. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Amen. This is the psalmist sharing the content of his heart, sharing the theme what theme is flowing through his heart the focal point the focal concentration of his heart and how it is overflowing and how this is determining his composition the words that flow from his tongue the essay that he is writing to his king our god the word king there in my version is capital k and so what this is telling us is that it is the content of our heart, the theme of our heart that influences our tongue and that now determines the address, the content of our address to our king. So we see a writer here who is confessing that what is overflowing in his heart is a good theme. He's excited. His heart is stirred by what is good, by good consideration, by what is pleasing, by what is lovely, by what is noble about God, that he has considered and come to an understanding. And this is indeed what is sitting in his heart, what is on his heart, and is overflowing, it has overwhelmed him. And now 
his tongue has become very skillful. And so his composition is what sat on his heart. So the question we'll ask ourselves this week is, so what is that theme on our heart? What is the dominant theme that is gushing through our heart? What is that dominant thought? Is it a good theme? Is it a noble theme? And when we are forming our composition of our King God, what are we writing? How are we dress, addressing God? How are we addressing God? So, Father, we thank you. So, this calls for, and this is what, how this affected me. I really sat down and was quiet. I took time to listen to my heart. I put my ears, so to speak, on my heart to see indeed what is it that is occupying this heart. When I'm quiet, what is that theme that is dominant in my heart? Is it a theme that influences my composition to be joyful? Is it staring joy? Or is it a theme that is dragging me down? Is it a theme that makes me very skillful when I'm praising God and it gives me understanding that this is who this God has been to me, this is who he is? Or is it a theme that makes my tongue to cleave to my roof, the roof of my mouth, and I cannot speak, and I stay in silence, and then sorrow just overwhelms me? So we see here that this psalmist, having really considered a lot in his heart. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm that now overflows. And what overflows that is affecting his composition becomes the content of his composition. That is tongue that is so skillful. Remember, the Bible tells us in James that this tongue is a small member, but this tongue can cause war. This tongue can stay good. It can stay evil. This tongue is like the rudder in the ship that turns the ship. Very tiny thing is turning the ship. So whatever this Rhoda can stare comes from what our heart is staring. What is brewing in our heart? What is boiling in our heart? That thing that we are so focused on that is determining our countenance, determining our relationship, determining how we even look up or whether we even look, at, look up at all to say we are addressing the king. And in addressing the king, we are speaking about worshiping, praising, even prayer and then our ability to hear and communicate. So what is the theme that is overflowing in your heart? Just be quiet. Take time to meditate. Be silent. You see, the world that we have today is a rat race. Everybody is rushing here and there. We have goals that we must meet, some short term, some long term. We have plans. And all of it boils down to survival. How am I going to survive? How am I going to make money? Am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay school fees? Here and there, it's all about economy. It's about health. It's about economy, social, psychosocial. It's all about our being and how we move from A to B. <laughs> and sometimes, it makes the dominant theme in our hearts not to be so good, not to be pleasing, makes the dominant theme in our hearts 
not overflow into a composition of praise with understanding. That's the dominant theme in our heart to cause us to just shut down and draw the curtains. So today we want to, and we see in verse 2, if we say, you are fairer, as soon as, because of what was overflowing, because it was a good theme, it was a noble theme, the next thing we see, the tongue picks it up. And what is the tongue saying? It begins to say, you are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured out on your lips. Therefore, God begins to talk about God, talk about the blessings that come from God, talk about who God is, and then we begin to see God's response. So it's, it now becomes a communication between this person and God. So what is that dominant theme that is flowing through our hearts? To really make this dis our discussion, our understanding robust, if we flip over and we go to Psalm 139, 137 rather, we see the title there on my Bible says, Longing for Zion in a Foreign Land. I read this psalm and then we try to understand it. It said, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And then verse 6 says, verse 4 rather, how shall we sing the lost song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget his skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. Amen. So we see a scene here. We are still looking at the heart of this psalmist. We are trying to determine from his confession what would necessarily have been the dominant theme. What is overflowing in this heart? And what is the composition that came from this heart? And how skillful did the tongue deliver? And what did the tongue deliver? And it's so obvious to see. This heart was fixated on the past. This heart was fixated on sorrow. This heart was composing songs about Jerusalem, how it was then in the past, the glory of Jerusalem, probably the temple, and how it was thrown down, how they were plundered, and so on and on and on. And what was the result? The result of focusing on circumstances of failure and past trials and tribulations and not focusing on the now and looking to the future, probably drawing lessons from that past, is that this thing shut down addressing the king. What did we read here? They say they hung their hearts on the willows. How dare the captives tell them to sing a song? So song dried out in captivity for these psalmists, for these ones, because of the dominant theme in their hearts. It was a theme of looking back, a theme of how it was in the past, a theme of, oh, maybe God has disappointed them or something, a theme about Jerusalem, how it was, and even says, if I forget you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. So what was the result? There was no composition for the king. The composition was a composition of failure. 
composition was not exuberance of overflowing spirit of praise and understanding of how this God, you can still preserve them. And don't forget, let's put this in context so we understand. In this particular time in captivity, God was still speaking about restoration. God was still telling them through the prophets, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, the plan that I have for you is good and not evil. I will bring you to that expected end. I will give you peace. And God was still telling them, I will bless you in this land. Don't be afraid of the king of Babylon. I will deliver you from his hand. I will save you. I will save you. I will be with you. And I will show you mercy. And he will, because of the mercy I show you, he will have mercy on you. And he will restore your land back. God was still mighty in their midst. If we recall, it is still in captivity that God intervened for Nehemiah. Nehemiah was able to build a wall. It is still in captivity that Daniel prayed to God when they faced, you know, the threat of the king to kill them because nobody could interpret the dream. And God answered them and elevated them and showed them the secret in the night. It was still in captivity that God delivered him from the wicked law of medicine patient when they had said they should throw him into the lion's den because he was worshipping his God. God shot them out of the lion and he was elevated to governor. Still in captivity that they saw the fourth man in the fire. And yet, yet we see here, this particular people, the theme that was the rhythm in their hearts, their focal concentration, what was overflowing was not praise, not with understanding. It was that it's not a place to sing the lost song. It's just a place to reminiscence. Remember the past. Remember the failure. Remember they were looking back. Instead of holding on to their God, thanking God for all that he's saying and for his truth. So the question now continues. So what is that dominant theme in our hearts? What is that if we keep quiet and we see? Sometimes for me, I know that the Holy Spirit, when we are quiet and we meditate, those things that come to wear us down, especially when we are meditating on the Word of God in our silence, we see that God brings His perspective. We begin to have understanding of how good this God is. We begin, our spirit now begins to see that what we were looking at in terms of negativity and evil, see what God is doing. We begin to see the hand of God. We begin to see the hand of God. And then you see yourself rising and you're worshiping and you're praising God. Why? Because in your quietness, your meditation, you've been able to flip the scripts that your heart is trying to write or that has been dominant. Begin to see that if it were not for the Lord who was on your side, it would have been terrible. If it was not for God who intervened, who heard that faint cry, you would have lost it all. If it was not for God, when the proud waters of the enemy wanted to cover you, when men were enraged and angry, they would have consumed you totally. But God, in his ways, is still crafting his plan concerning your life. So what should be the dominant theme? What should we focus on? In spite of the rat race, the fast pace of life, here and there, thinking here, what should be the thread 
that is holding everything together? That is the question. This psalm has found it. He said, a good theme. My heart is overflowing with a pleasing theme, a noble theme, a lovely theme. And because of that, I'm composing a song and my tongue is delivering it. Whatever is in our heart is what our tongue delivers. It's not very easy to know a bitter person. <laughs> it's not, it's not, sorry, it's not very difficult to know a bitter person. Just, the person just needs to open his mouth. Say, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks. It's not very, very difficult to note somebody that is, is wicked, so to speak. You don't want good to happen to another person. Somebody that is envious or jealous. You're not arrogance. It's, it's from our, it's a dominant theme in our heart that determines our life, that runs through our relationships. It's a dominant theme, theme of goodness, theme of mercy, theme of graciousness and compassion. It just flows. So, Father, we worship you and we thank you. So we want to end as we consider and sit in silence and determine what and, and come face to face with what that theme is, theme, that thread, that ethos that is running through our heart, threading our life, dominating what comes from our mouths. Let us see what is said in Philippians chapter 4. It says, finally, brethren, I'm reading from verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Amen. Meditate on these things. Things that are noble, things that are true. The word of God is true. We cannot see anything truer. That is why they say it's the ghetto that guides us. True, anything that is true. Not falsehood, not philosophy of men, not things that are adulterated. As you say, whatever is pure. And the word of God is pure. The Holy Spirit is the purest. Instructions are pure. Not facts mixed with lies. Things that come to persuade, but without the power, the demonstration of power. Things that are, seem to be positive, but at the time doesn't have the power to cause you to stand when you face storm. Things that are noble, you can build on, and the brains will come and beat it. Pandemic will come beat it. There is standing because the foundation is sure. And that is Christ. Things that are lovely and praiseworthy. Things that you'll be proud to speak, and it becomes testimony. Not falsehood. So the focus of our mind is very important. Because it will determine the composition when we raise our hands to God or whether we will hang our harp and refuse to sing or whether we will praise grudgingly or whether we will just praise for the sake of praising to determine the depth of understanding when we are praising God. So, and it will determine our attitudes. When we pay attention to what is in our mind, it means that we are paying attention to how that thing on our mind determines our attitude. It means that we are paying attention to attitudes and we are willing to renew our minds to make it in tune 
with what God is saying. So our heart should be filled with good matters. Father, help us to see good everywhere we turn, to see the expressions of your kindness. Let our hearts overflow with kindness, to overflow with compassion, not with competition. Father, we worship you and we thank you. So magnify you that as we recite our compositions concerning you, our tongue will move and those who hear us will know that indeed you are our God and our Father. You've been good. We thank you. Let beautiful words, beautiful thoughts, pleasing themes, because you're good, let it flow. Let not the circumstance of our lives, because we saw there in Babylon, they hung up their hearts because their heart was burdened with the circumstances of their lives. They look back, the circumstances dragged them. Instead of seeing the goodness of God, the ability of God to bring them out, the ability of God to shine light in darkness, ability of God. I was listening to a man of God yesterday. So was even the choir was listening to online. And they sang, they said, he turned the grave into a garden. God. And I thought about that, that passage in the Bible, truly, that when they went, when the women went with the spices, thinking they would meet Jesus and were wondering who rolled the stone and all that, the Bible says in one version, I don't know which gospel is that, they met this person in, and they thought the person was a gardener. And I had been wondering, I said, why would they think he's a gardener standing there? Which means that was a garden of sorts. It was a garden. Don't forget that way he was praying and his sweat was like blood. It was a garden of Gethsemane. It was a garden. Victory came out of that place where he was sweating and was almost crying for the father to take this burden away from him. And the father said, if it's, if, but if it's your will, let it be. Sometimes we go through thorns. Jesus carried it. We go through difficult circumstances. We go through the grave, so to speak, so that we can see the garden. When they got to that Red Sea and they were screaming, the theme in their heart was, oh, we are going to be destroyed. See, we should have been in Egypt. That was the overwhelming theme. And there was, that theme was overflowing. They started insulting Moses. The theme in Moses' heart was God. Would you bring me to this place and not open the Red Sea? Would you bring me, take me through all the plagues with Pharaoh? Take me through the Passover. God, take me to lead all these people. And then I'll get to the Red Sea and I'll look up and you're not there. So God said, why are you crying? Why are you even asking that question? I am there. I've already equipped you. Stretch your hand. That was the theme. The theme in Moses' heart was always about God's presence, the presence of God. If you do not go with me, uh -uh, I'm not going. How will they know that I'm your people? We are your people. That was the theme. Everywhere Moses turned, no, I can't speak. No, don't send me. He said, I will speak. Who made them out? Look at, I will send somebody. It was about God going with him. That was the theme. If we look at all our covenant fathers, all of them had an overflowing theme. Jesus had an overflowing theme. Theme was always thanksgiving. Father, I know that you always hear me. Before I say it, you have already done it. But because I want these people to know, that's why I'm looking up and thanking you. His theme was thanksgiving. One with the Father. I am with the Father and the Father is in me. That was the theme. We look at Joseph. 
What was the theme? The theme was service. Service in humility, fear of God. Dominant theme. You see all these dominant themes. And that was the composition of their life. So Father God, we bring our hearts to you. We cannot lie to you. We can lie to man. He say you, you know the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Even before we say it, you know our hearts already. We are just praying, Holy Spirit, take our hearts and turn it around. Let our hearts overflow with a good theme, a pleasing theme, a lovely theme, noble theme, so that the composition that we compose to you, our King, with our skillful mouth, will be a theme of praise, a song of praise, worship, adoration. And then all this will reflect back in our lives. Because you inhabit our praises and you do wonders. Thank you, Holy Father. We bless you today. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. We will not hang up our harps because of the theme in our hearts. We will not let circumstance determine the theme in our hearts. We will let your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness and your lordship, who you are, a father and a maker, to always be dominant in our hearts. We worship you and thank you. Have your way in our lives. This week we are returning with testimonies. In Jesus' name, amen.